What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. In part one of this series, I spoke directly with a victim of childhood abuse within the science fiction community. Moira, the victim in question, her parents put her through direct physical, mental, and sexual abuse. I highly suggest listening to that first episode if you haven't. Marion Zimmer Bradley, Moira's mother, now deceased, was a member of the SFWA. That's important to note. The Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers Association, founded in 1965, is not taking steps to condemn the actions of past members, let alone the present members, that have committed actions awful enough to make up a minimum of three episodes. This second part is going to have tunnel vision on an active member of the SFWA, in fact, a Grand Master, but the next episode will take a scorched earth approach. What's worth noting, before we can continue, is that the SFWA and their sycophants attempt to discredit those that criticize them. That's why this is only stage two of a three-pronged offense. One of the tools used to discredit is to treat their shady past as just that, the past. So listener, I need you to keep two things in mind as you listen to this episode. Are you following? Okay. Point one. If you've been around long enough, you know that I am the victim of severe childhood sexual abuse. Anything you can think of, I had afflicted upon me from between age 4 through 13. That was before I acted on my own volition to save myself. I bring this up so you understand the seriousness at which I take the comments of today's subject, as well as the lack of forgiveness in my heart for those that would defend him, pose next to him, follow him on Twitter. You get the idea. Point two. I believe that those in the SFWA seek to write off condemnation of the actions of certain members of their organization, both past and present, as an alt-right attack. This has to do with the removal of a member named Vox Day and some since-forgotten, decade-old culture war. I am not a member of said war. If you've listened to this podcast over the years, you could probably tell that I'm a leftist. I try to keep it out of my podcast, but it's obvious. Some members of the SFWA preemptively refer to this episode that you hear today as an alt-right attack. Ludicrous. No, this episode is part two of a condemnation of evil and the men and women who commit it. It is me, your host, imploring you, the listener, to make some noise about what you're going to hear today. Get on Twitter Facebook, whatever social media garbage you use, let your voices be heard. Okay, 
Let's get on with it. Welcome, listener. I'm glad you're here. Take a seat next to the fire. He, my first thought that he was on the verge of being, um, being a nuisance. On the other hand, it was so rare that you thought, I don't think I should let this one go. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's molestation, but it's contact of a kind. Right, exactly. Okay. Yes, yeah. exa- exactly. To start this episode, I'm going to read excerpts taken directly from Samuel Delaney's website, SamuelDelaney.com Usually, I handle the biographical aspect of an episode, but I think it's important to quote directly from the source in this context. So nothing I say can be misrepresented. Now, I'm not going to read everything, just excerpts to give you an idea of Delaney's childhood. Born in Harlem Hospital, April 1st, 1942, and raised on 7th Ave, and the two floors above his father's funeral home, at 2250 7th Ave, Samuel Ray Delaney, from the age 3 to June 1947, attended Horace Mann Nursery School on 120th Street and Broadway. His Aunt Laura and Uncle Ed Murrell, with his cousins Nanny Ed Jr. and Little Bill, lived on the top floor of 7th Ave before moving to the Bronx. In 1947, his parents switched him from the Dalton School at 108 East 89th Street between Park and Lexington, he was one of three black children in the class, one of whom was his cousin, Mickey Tisverney, on his mother's side of the family. But all of the black students at Dalton were either relatives or family friends. During summers, Delaney attended first Camp Hill and Dale in Nassau, New York, then Camp Woodland Upstate and Fenica, where on his first day, at age 10, he took the nickname Chip. His friends have called him that ever since. A camper in senior camp, he slept in the boys' tent colony for three years, then moved to the buildings and bunks 100 yards to the south in the newly opened work camp for the next two. After a year at the Bronx High School of Science Annex, Delaney attended Camp Rising Sun in Red Hook, an international scholarship camp for boys, which he liked nowhere as much as Woodland. Both Delaney and Hacker moved the next year into the main building, The year after that, the whole school moved into a new building at 205th Street in the Bronx. By the time he graduated, he had written nine novels, none of which have ever been published. Many of those manuscripts were lost. Listener, one thing I'd like to be clear on. Delaney is a talented writer, a genius in his field. Growing up as a teenager, 
I read some of his novels, and I found myself awestruck. The idea that Delaney had written nine novels before graduating high school should surprise no one. I am not undercutting his ability as a writer. What he's been able to accomplish is impressive. I need you to understand that. I am not going into this biased. This isn't about his work as a writer. This is about the man himself, his beliefs. And to understand where I believe the trouble starts, we have to start with an event in Delaney's childhood. To quote the man himself, I had my first sexual experience with an adult when I was six, with a local Harlem building superintendent, and nothing hurtful happened at all. It would have been cruel and unusual punishment to incarcerate him for it. Listener, it's important for you to take in the fact that Delaney hand-waved his own sexual abuse at the age of six, stating that it would have been cruel and unusual to incarcerate a grown man for sexually abusing a child. Now obviously, you and I both know the psychology behind a statement like this, but it's still important to note, I believe that this event painted Delaney's worldview on pedophiles and has led him to make dangerous statements over the years. Statements that have been mostly left alone for the wrong person to use as a justification for their evil acts. In 1994, Delaney had this to say about Nambla. I read the Nambla Bulletin fairly regularly, and I think it's one of the most intelligent discussions of sexuality I've ever found. I think before you start judging what Nambla is about, expose yourself to it and see what it's really about. What the issues they are really talking about and deal with what's really there, rather than demonize notion of guys running about trying to screw little boys. I would have been so much happier as an adolescent if Nambla had been around when I was 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. This statement has nearly been wiped from the internet, which I personally find strange because Delaney himself has gone on to acknowledge the statement. One thing I find odd is that Wikipedia has scrubbed any mention of the quotes I'm going to read for you today, including the previous one, a website where the controversial section of a person's biography is usually brimming with whatever the editors can get their hands on. I wonder why that is. For those unfamiliar with NAMBA, it's the North American Man-Boy Love Association, an organization that's goal is to normalize child sex between men and children. In their logo... The B next to the M is in lowercase to symbolize a man and a boy. It's presented in this cutesy manner, a little B crooked next to the large M. It's here where I need to break off and before we continue with Delaney's statement over the years, as someone who was victimized by a male pedophile, I find none of this to be cute. My younger brother Cody was also a victim of the same man. He didn't seek help never wanted to talk about it, and eventually overdosed from heroin. My now ex-stepfather essentially pulled the trigger when he began to molest my brother all those years ago. It just took longer for this method of execution to kill him. So in doing the research for this episode, I find myself angrily typing away and taking notes, having to delete passages that could be described as threats of violence. So I'll leave that out, and I'll just say this. The attempt at intellectualizing child sexual abuse makes me more furious than I've ever been covering a subject. I hold nothing but contempt for anyone that speaks of it this way. Now, back to Delaney. In an interview conducted by Will Shetterly, Samuel R. Delaney had this to say about his comments on Nambla. 
My all-too-frequently quoted comment in support of Namble was made circa 95, I believe. I have no idea what Namble has been doing the last 20 years. At the time I made my comment, circa 95, Namble was soliciting comments from people familiar with what their organization stood for, which included sane treatment of older male offenders and pleading for courts to take into consideration what harm or coercion had been done, if any. Now, listener... That seems reasonable, right? What's interesting is, in the interview, Delaney goes on to undo the damage recovery he performed with this previous statement. You really shouldn't even absorb it, because he's going to go on to say things that were much worse than the circa 1995 quote. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. So, at one point, Delaney has this to say, quote, One size fits all is never the way to handle any situation with a human dimension. Many, many children, and I was one of them, are desperate to establish some sort of sexual relation with an older and even adult figure. Today, all such relationships are so completely demonized as to destroy souls and psyches on both sides of the purely arbitrary 18-year-old divide. Yes, listener, you heard that right. Delaney outright calls the age of consent arbitrary and argues for sexual relationships with children. I don't have to speculate it. This is from the man himself. No number of bloggers and articles can recontextualize this statement for anything else. I'd argue it's pretty straightforward. Delaney continues. The current attitude towards pedophilia is a tragic attempt to drive nature out with a pitchfork. And at this point, it is a self-reinforcing tragedy, encouraging the worst and punishing the best by making no distinctions at all. As such enterprises tend to become... Centuries of Childhood by Philip Aries, which is a French-authored scholarly historical study from the late 50s about European attitudes towards children is a good place to start. I give my graduate students Chapter 5 when we are doing anything about the history of sex, and their mouths fall open. I think that's a very healthy astonishment, too. Now, let's let that soak in. Delaney admits to giving pro-pedophile literature to his impressionable students. Material so shocking that the students were left with their mouths agape. He is essentially admitting to being a part of or even creating a minor attracted person or MAP propaganda campaign. For those unaware, you can find MAPs trying to encourage the normalization of child sexual abuse on Twitter and other social media platforms. Except Delaney was doing this from a place of authority. This isn't some random Twitter user with an anime profile picture. No, these were young people handed literature from an authoritative figure that could have very well planted disturbing and dangerous pedophilic rhetoric in their minds. To make matters worse, Delaney goes on to make light of his comments with this statement. I mean, listen to late comedian George Carlin. Which would you prefer? To be punched in the jaw or have your dick sucked until you came? I don't think they're the same crime. That's turning it off with a joke. But like so many jokes, it holds its truth. Listener, it's clear that this is an attempt to playfully make light of sexual abuse, describing it as a lesser crime than physical violence based on a joke from late comedian George Carlin. I don't believe Carlin would have wanted his words to be used to defend evil. 
In the lengthy interview, Delaney discusses incidents of pedophilia in his books. He defends children having sexual rights and the right to consent, describing a weighted system, and states that police should not have authority to enforce children's rights, e.g. arresting an adult for molesting a child. Towards the end of the interview, Delaney describes in detail his childhood sexual abuse. Quote, In his cellar, a 25 to 30 year old super was masturbating. Me and another friend snuck in to watch. He realized we were there, called to us to ask if we wanted to come out and see what he was doing. Did we ever? We all sat together on his army style cod, and at his invitation, we touched him. Both me and Johnny at six were definitely gay. In the cellar with the super, both of us had erections. That came as a surprise to me. I knew I had one, but I saw once pants were opened, Johnny had one too. We took out our genitals and showed them to him. He touched us and told us we probably would grow up to be big men. More or less, I did. Finally, without any orgasm from either of us, he laughed and told us we better go. And not to tell, because we'd all get in trouble. I went looking for him once more, but he had moved from his cellar apartment. I was disappointed, but also somewhat relieved. Will, I have heard 50 or 60 such tales from gay men of this nature, and none of the effect of abuse. If anything, had more of the feel of an impromptu educational session. We weren't embraced or held against our will or made to do anything we didn't want to do. I'm glad it happened. I learned stuff. And so, there you have it. Delaney describing sexual abuse as an education and his proud endorsement of men engaging in sexual abuse against six-year-old children. Listener, I ask you this. If you caught that superintendent doing those things to a six-year-old, would you be so jovial? What if it was your child, your niece, a neighbor? Would you view it as simply an education, a learning experience? I leave that one to you. That leads us to Delaney's fiction, Throughout his career, Delaney has peppered child sexual abuse featured in a positive light throughout his fiction. We've gone through his many quotes. The reason for inclusion of these pedophilic scenes should be clear to you by now, listener. But I'm going to exclude examples that can be argued for as art. No. We won't be talking about Through the Valley of the Nest of Spiders or Dahlgren. Examples I could use for this section. No. We're going to be talking about Hog. The title, stylized with two G's. Now, why hog, you ask? Well, in the author's own words, this is a work of pornography, meaning a work for pleasure, not art. So the usual dead ends that you would run into for these discussions can be thrown out now. Delaney himself calls the novel a work of pornography. All the YouTube videos you see describing this as a work of art the author himself calls it porn. So, let's jump into this porno, shall we? The book Hog stars an 11-year-old unnamed child. This 11-year-old is referred to exclusively as Cocksucker. Hog, the book's namesake, is treated as a sort of middle-aged guardian of the 11-year-old Cocksucker. And finally, Denny, a 17-year-old STD-riddled psychopath who kills people frequently throughout the book in graphic detail. The book is a sort of road trip novel in which our 11-year-old main character is repeatedly sexually abused by various adults until he likes it. Now, 
Let's get into some choice passages from the book, shall we? Quote, They call me hog, because a hog lives dirty. I don't wash none, and when I get hungry, I eat my own snot. I've been wearing these clothes since winter. I don't even take my dick out of my pants to piss most times. Unless it's in some cunt's face, or all over a cocksucker like you. What I usually do is park the truck in the sun with the light coming in, and piss my pants up something terrible. The truck turned another corner. He dropped one hand from the carpeted wheel between his legs, hefted his meat around some, but I couldn't tell if he was doing it or thinking about it. Yeah, boy, all that nice hot stuff, running down my leg and squirming my ass around in it. I got worms, boy. Had them since I was a kid, but I won't get rid of them, because I like the way they make my asshole itch. I gotta drink a lot of beer and eat lots of pizza pies and french fried potatoes to keep a gut like this and them little fuckers fed. I got a hairy ass and it sure cakes up crusty. But I just don't believe in wiping when I got a freaky little son of a bitch like you to eat it out for me. Now, how do you like that? Listener, if any part of that bothered you, well, brace yourself. From the split helmet of his penis and its wet, wrinkled collar, glittering yellow arched away, splashed the dashboard. Hogg's head was back against the seat. His eyes were closed. He was taking great gasping breaths. Piss ran along the dashboard's underside, dripping. Onto Hogg's knee, onto Denny's. Denny ran his hands down his stained pants leg to where it was wetting, then put his fingers in his mouth. Piss dripped the dashboard onto my back. I opened my mouth and moved it into his hot water. It broke warm on my face. Did you enjoy the passage of the 11-year-old drinking the urine of a middle-aged male listener? Which part of that would you describe as pornographic? Maybe art? Now before we get into the next passage of Delaney's self-described porno book, you need to know that the character Denny has a nail driven through the head of his penis. Quote, Hog grinned at me. Go on, cocksucker. Take it out. He took his hand away. Denny's fell back on his thigh like a muddy claw. I turned on the seat and pulled open Denny's fly. It looked awful. It was all swollen and a funny color, even in the half dark. When I took it out, it was stiff, but not like a hard-on. It was just leathery. It wobbled on his groin. The head was bulged up around the nail, so there wasn't any space left. The foreskin was stretched tight and didn't move at all. I took his balls out, too. They were very hot. His cock was almost chilly. I opened my mouth and bent. Denny grunted. Denny's cock tasted cold and salty. Denny moved his hands to my hair, jerkily, shifted his buttocks on the seat, lifted them a little. The bent nail clicked my back teeth. I reached under his ass with one hand and found hogs already needing a scrawny buttock that seemed like it had too much bone in it. Yes, listener. Delaney poetically describes a miner giving head to a psychopath at the orders of a feces-covered middle-aged male. Come on, Hog said. Get up, boy. I'm gonna beat you across the butt. Then I'm gonna fuck you. Then I'm gonna beat your butt some more. All right. Denny tried to stand without pulling out my face. Hog's buckle clinked. The belt hissed from its loops. I took Denny's cock to the clotted hair. Hog grunted. 
Here you go, motherfucker. Crack and Denny swayed. Shit, he whispered. Listener, there is so much more I could quote here. I can get into the incest between children, lovingly written in graphic detail, or the times where the 11-year-old child is beaten before committing sex acts. It goes on and on like this, and if you want to think less of humanity, then go ahead and check out the reviews on Goodreads. Many reviewers openly expressing touching themselves while reading these graphic depictions of sexual abuse on a minor. I want you to take that in. Now, you might be asking yourself by now, has Delaney received any blowback for his statements in subsequent pornographic child abuse book? Well, he's faced almost none. In fact, he's been honored. In the SFWA, Samuel R. Delaney has the honorable title of Grand Master of Science Fiction, a rare title given to only the most accomplished members of the SFWA. Winning the Grand Master Award, of course, has been quite an honor. It came as kind of a surprise. I'm pleased that it happened, uh, but I'm not going to give it, you know, you don't, you don't um, invest your whole life in something like that walk around saying, well, I'm a grandmaster, you know. Uh, although you're tempted sometimes. <laughs> a detective came and knocked on the door, and I said, is it Renee? And he just gave me that solemn look. It was the worst day ever. The Proof Podcast is back with a new case and a new season. 23 years ago, 18-year-old Renee Ramos went missing. Her body was later found in an empty Home Depot building on the edge of town. I don't think that they arrested the right people. It's about time somebody's trying to do something. She had a black eye about two weeks before she was murdered. They are involved. They definitely had her body and her backpack. You know people are going to judge you, right? Of course. They're judging me now. They've been judging me damn near my whole life. You can listen now to season two of Proof, wherever you get your podcasts. And follow along with us as we reinvestigate the murder at the warehouse. I have to ask, did you kill Renee? American Criminal is a new true crime podcast from the studio behind American Scandal and American History Tellers. Every week, you'll fall deeper into the riveting stories of the country's most clever, craven, and cruel criminals. Fraud, theft, murder, and worse. Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the whole story until now. The debut season tackles one of the most sensational cases of the 20th century, the Menendez murders. In 1989, young Lyle and Eric Menendez brutally shot their own parents. Prosecutors and the press said it was a multi-million dollar inheritance that led two greedy rich kids to murder. But the picture-perfect facade this Hollywood family built hid troubling abuse. Could these teenagers have been driven to kill? Or was it even in self-defense? Listen now. Go to AmericanCriminal.com or search for and follow American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. None of the members of the SFWA I have reached out to will denounce Delaney for any of his statements. They will not denounce him for support of NAMBLA. And they pretend that as if Hogg was written in a vacuum without the context of Delaney's previous statements, or without his admission that it's a pornographic book and not meant to be taken as art. One of my most publicly ardent detractors since announcing my coverage of the link between crime and the SFWA has been SFWA member Patrick Tomlinson, 
I hesitate to call him an author, because I'm not positive anyone has mustered the Herculean strength required to finish one of his novels. Our, our ambassador to the UN, uh, her name's Nikki Haley, uh, she, she was all about it. She's like, yeah, get out of that Council on Human Rights, because apparently, uh, you know, she was really upset that, you know, we're, they've been so hard on Israel after they've been bombing, you know, the Palestinians every, or the last 10 years into extinction. You know, they've been, had harsh words to say about that. Basically what happens is that some Palestinians throw some rocks, and then Israel bombs the hell out of them with bombs we sold them. <laughs> Since the last episode, I've done some research. And I found documents related to an incident dating back to 2011. I'll read directly from the incident report now. On Wednesday, 8-10-11, at approximately 12.54 p.m., I received a call of threats made at the pool. As I was en route, I was advised that the suspect was Patrick Tomlinson. He had made threats against his soon-to-be ex-wife, Adrian Tomlinson. I was advised that the witness to this incident was waiting for me at the pool, and her name was Rona Marie Tomlinson. I arrived and spoke with Rona. She explained that Patrick and Adrian Tomlinson had been having marital issues. She also advised that they were going through a divorce, and that Adrian had a new boyfriend named John. Rona stated that Patrick had spoken to her about Adrian's boyfriend, and Patrick became very upset. Patrick then threatened to kill both Adrian and John. Rona stated that John lives in Pennsylvania, and that was not a legitimate threat at this time. She did state that Adrian lives in the city of Portage. Rona stated that she did call and speak with Adrian about the threats that were made. Adrian then contacted her father, Tim Raymer, who called the complaint into the police department. Rona was visually disturbed. When I asked her about what happened, she started to cry and we had to take a few moments for her to calm down to explain the incident to me. Rona was able to explain the threats that Patrick had made. She did write a written statement in regards to what she said. She did state that it was just her and him having a conversation, and that no one else witnessed what he had said. One of the comments that Patrick made to Rona was that he was going to wait until Adrian had the baby, and then kill both her and the newborn. I did make contact with Patrick at his apartment located on Dunn Street. I spoke to him about the comments that he made at the pool. He admitted to threatening to kill John. However, he stated that he did not make any comments about harming Adrian or the unborn child. Patrick advised that the comments that he made were out of line and apologized for the incident. Patrick was advised that he was going to be taken into custody for disorderly conduct. He was cooperative, and I did place him into handcuffs. The handcuffs were double-locked, and he was seat-belted into the back of my squad car. Patrick was transported to the Columbia County Jail and was turned over to the jail staff without incident. Patrick did advise that he did have the means to post the $150 bond for himself and would be released. The jail staff advised of this. End of report. So let me get this straight. A man, Patrick Tomlinson who was charged with and pled no contest to threatening to kill his family, including the brutal detail of waiting out the birth of his unborn daughter to commit this execution, doesn't want me to cover the crimes committed to those linked to the SFWA? Am I understanding that right? Gee, I wonder why. One interesting fact about the report is that Rona, the person who called it into the police, is his sister-in-law or at least was at the time. 
I ask you, listener, why would his sister-in-law call in a report about threats of violence if they didn't happen? If she was lying, wouldn't she be jeopardizing her marriage with Patrick's brother? Now, just two weeks ago, a loving article written as an ode to Samuel Delaney was presented to Twitter. There is no mention of Nambla or his statements on age of consent. In an era of social media scrutiny, Delaney has undergone almost none. In fact, it's seen as a point of pride to be pictured with him. The amount of hypocrisy on display here is on a level I have never seen before. The silence is deafening. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. 